The Shop, A Tale of Frightful Incompetence, written by W.P. Thrift, read by Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. Chapter 6. He's Nibbling on Your Dreams. The shop trio were all nestled in their not-beds and having an equally hard time falling asleep. Despite the warm weather outside making the inside of the shop feel like an oven, the floor was surprisingly chilling. Radix and Lantis were regularly rolling over so that they would cook evenly, while Bowman was content to lay on his back and glare menacingly up at the ceiling. I could nuke this whole place from orbit. That would learn it, Bowman thought to himself, calculating the satellite orbital trajectories in his goggles' thought-controlled GUI to determine when the next secretly nuclear-armed satellite would pass by. His thoughts were abruptly interrupted by an ear-piercing noise which vibrated the floor and shook layers of powder off the walls and ceiling. Lantis bolted upright, holding his hands over his ears, howling in pain. Radix was about to curse, but realized the sound was making his teeth bleed, so he was too busy staring in horror at his now blood-colored shirt to find any words for this. Bowman activated a neutralizing hum from his goggles, canceling out the sound in a bubble around him. The inhabitants of the shop were safe from the debilitating sound, but the floor still vibrated. In the repair room, the tennis table fell over again. What the fuck? Radix coughed out, spitting out a tooth. He was only mortified by this until he saw that it was one of his molars. If it had been a tooth in the front of his mouth, he would have been quite cross about it. Oh, hey, I can hear myself speak again. What are you doing exactly? He asked Bowman. My goggles are emitting a noise at the exact negative frequency of the bad sound. It only cancels it out, Bowman explained, followed by, I hate Galactic Slam. Radix was confused for a moment, then it occurred to him. The noise which had pierced through the shop was the theme song to a terrible old film named Galactic Slam. It was obnoxiously cheerful and upbeat, especially when played at the ultrasound frequency of 3.6 megahertz. It's coming from next door, Lantis finally spoke, though he couldn't hear himself over the ringing in his ears. Blood dripped from his ears. His once heightened sense of hearing had been diminished. Who would do that? Why would they do that? What's going on? All fair questions, Radix replied, turning to glare at the wall behind him, as though he wanted his vision to pierce through the wall and destroy whomever was behind it. Alas, he lacked such powers. But Bowman could do it. Bowman, you should blast him. Forget it. Last time I used my eye lasers, it burned my eyebrows off, Bowman refused. Then at least go over there and tell our neighbor to turn that racket down, Radix insisted. Yeah, Bowman, you do it, Lantis agreed. Why me? Because we said so, Radix told him. I don't feel like it. You really should. Well, now you're pressuring me. You know how to talk to people. It would be for the best. Oh, too much pressure. They wouldn't need to get Bowman to go over there, because their neighbor had come over here, to them. Several lumbering thuds, out of sync with the bad vibrations caused by the music, trailed from next door, down the short sidewalk, over to their front door. 
Several loud knocks made Lantis's ears perk up. We're closed, damn it! Bowman yelled. It could be a customer! Lantis jumped to his feet. Lantis? No! Radix tried to stop him, but Lantis was a squirrely bastard and got away from him. Customers equal food! You told me that! We need them! Lantis yelled, running to the door to unlock it and let the girthy monstrosity into the shop. You'll give me money for food now? <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Sheep Eater managed to choke out between heavy breaths, shoving Lantis down to get past him. Sheep Eater clearly wasn't human, but he couldn't be easily identified as any particular monster species Lantis had ever come across. He looked like a giant ball of fluff with glasses and a gigantic polo shirt draped over the rest of its body that fluttered about through the air as though wind were blowing against it from within the creature. My shitter's broken. So I came over here to use yours. Where is it? Uh... Back there, Lantis pointed to the curtains. Say, could you turn your music down a little? It it nearly killed us all. That's too bad. I like my music. Sheep Eater replied, mustering up the strength to walk a few more steps and get behind the curtains. Barbed thorns reached out from beneath its shirt, to grip the floor and pull itself along, but each movement was slow and pained. Paul told me that I can't play it during the day, <sighs> so I play it extra loud at night. Wake up for it. With great, sweaty effort, Sheepeater was able to get behind the curtain, followed by Radix and Bowman yelling at it to get out of here, including an attempted nipple pinchy by Bowman but their words were abruptly halted as a thunderous fart rang out through the shop. The two of them ran out from behind the curtain, faces twisted in disgust and horror. Lantis blankly stared on, wondering when the food money was coming, so they grabbed him on their way out of the shop to drag him along outside. They weren't so cruel as to leave him to face the oncoming storm, even if it was his fault the creature had gotten into the shop. What's going on? Lantis demanded once they were outside. Bowman was still gagging too much to respond. Surprising, given his durability against the odors at the city dump, Radix, consequently, had more experience recovering from horrific odors and was able to speak first. That fucking asshole! He shat everywhere! Radix declared, across the entire back room. Yeah, the bathroom, Lantis said. The bathroom was way back that way. No, back room, not the bathroom. God, if only he had used the bathroom. Radix's trembling expression spoke volumes of the trauma he had just witnessed. There was no going back into the shop tonight. The trio retreated to the alleyway between their shop and Sheep Eater's where they found enough newspapers in the trash cans back there to create even more makeshift beds than they were already used to lying on. Surprisingly, the dirt floor of the alleyway proved infinitely more comfortable than the shop's floor. The air was slightly cooler, 
the ground was just as chilling to their bones, and now flies were buzzing around their heads and rats kept walking across them. But perfection's overrated anyway. Vibrations from sheep-eaters destructively loud music could still be felt. Bowman's protective sound barrier at least made survival possible. On the bright side, the unbridled terrors which stalked Cattailville were kept at bay by the music, so nothing too terrible would attack them in the alleyway that night. Radix kept getting bit by a raccoon, which kept him awake longer than he would have liked. Sleep would eventually come, only for the sun to be an asshole, and here's Johnny! All of them, too soon after. Radix getting up woke Bowman up. Radix swaggered around, disoriented, as he made his way out of the alleyway and back towards the shop. Bowman scratched at his neck beard, then realized he was actually scratching a rat's back. The rat had crawled up on his face to lick moisture off his lips in his sleep. Bowman angrily thumped the rat off his face, then was able to successfully scratch his own neck. Oh, goddamn wolf rat, dragging its giant rat balls across me. Bowman muttered to himself. Lantis awoke a moment later and almost immediately began screaming and running back and forth, slamming his body into one brick wall and then the next. Ants! Ants! Lantis cried out as he was covered in ants. Huh, you're awake, Raddick said as he returned. He ignored Lantis's blind panic and kneeled down next to Bowman. I managed to retrieve our soda cups, but the shop is still not habitable yet. The shop? Bowman asked, still half asleep. Oh yeah, I gotta be getting to work. Bowman absentmindedly rose up and left the alleyway to go to the shop. Are they off? Are they off yet? Lantis grabbed Radix and demanded to know, shaking him too hard for him to see, even if he wanted to. Bowman returned a moment later, waving a hand in front of his face to try and blow the smell away from it. Goddamn sheep-eater bastard! Bowman, Raddick said. So, refill on your soda before we go check up on your car? Oh yeah, my soda cop, Bowman said, then left the alleyway to return to the shop, not noticing that Raddick's had his cup in his hand. Soda would be good, Lanta said, taking his cup and reaching into his pocket for his smokes. He needed a cig to wake his brain up more than ever this morning. Bowman returned, just as agitated as before, holding his shirt over his nose this time and flapping his free hand in the air like a bird. There's something rotten in there! Where are your car keys? We need to get going to the repair shop. Ah, right, Bowman said, leaving the alleyway to return to the shop. Wait, did he just... Lantis asked watching Bowman's actions after finally getting the first surge in nicotine to his brain for the day. You just now noticed? Radix asked. Bowman returned yet again, outraged at the odor he had just been assaulted by. Something done crawled up in the shop's ass and died in there! Can I try? Lantis asked. Oh, knock yourself out, Radix replied. Bowman, where are your smokes? Lantis asked. Oh, I better left them in the shop, Bowman replied, leaving the alleyway to return to the shop. That's amazing, Lantis said. I know, Radix replied. With nothing else to do with their day, and having no idea how long it would take for the shop to become habitable again, the trio walked down to the car repair shop. 
but the sun had only just come up, so the repair shop wasn't even open yet. They walked past it and back to the dump to find some more supplies for the shop. They all knew what needed to be done. Dash arrived at work later than usual, not that her boss would complain. She was pretty lucky the auto repair shop had such a relaxed attitude, so long as the work gets done in a reasonable amount of time. She'd worked as a clerk at a convenience store part-time before this, and they didn't accept any sort of loose rules on time at all. You were there ten minutes before your shift, or you were yelled at. You strictly obeyed the thirty-minute lunch rule, or you were yelled at. You always skipped your second mandatory break, or you were considered lazy by your co-workers, and you always had to be prepared to stay late if things needed to be stopped, even if that wasn't your job. She lasted two weeks, and was unbelievably happy to be fired after that. Still, speaking of timing, she had finished the work on Bowman's car as quickly as possible. It was a labor of hate for her, as she felt manipulated into working on it in the first place. She had never seen a potato-powered battery before, but she couldn't replace it as the inhabitants living in the trunk grew violent. But everything else she was able to work on until at least it could be cranked up again. Coming into work today, she was almost starting to feel different about it. Upon reflection last night, part of her was nearly ready to forget about the past and move on. High school was such a different time, after all. A perverse social experiment, trapping people at their most emotionally volatile moments in life in a cage together and punishing them for every slip-up. Surely, some evil creature out there in the universe was bound to watch this and just laugh at it all. But once freed from that, people were able to just be themselves at long last. All the social cliques dissolved like a bad dream, and friendships could be reshuffled until only the real ones remained. Maybe Raddix and Bowman were just misunderstood back then, and were even better people now, having come out the other end of that nightmare. Oh, what the fuck? Dash yelled, seeing the garage door wide open and Bowman's car missing. That concludes Chapter 6 of The Shop. Tune in every Tuesday for new chapters. If you'd like to reach me, you could do so at Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. That's L-A-N-T-I-S-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. And if you'd like to reach the author, you could send me your message, and I assure you he'll receive it, because we're the same person. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for next week's chapter of Sins and Fathers.